Wisdom Podcast. My name is Holly Weaver, and I'm the owner and operator of Rosebud Wellness, where I practice women's holistic health, utilizing acupuncture, Chinese herbalism, yoni steaming, and Arvigo abdominal massage. And I'm also a new mama. This podcast will be part information on women's holistic health practices that I use in my practice, and part conversations with women who are mothers or hope to be mothers on their journey through menstruation, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and motherhood. Please enjoy. Thanks so much for listening. This episode is brought to you in part by the Rosebud Wellness Shop. You can find us over at rosebudwellness.com shop. On the shop, you'll find six different Yoni Steam herb blends for a variety of different conditions. You can read specifically about all of the ingredients that are in the herbal blends, what you would use them for, and some specifics about the days of your cycle that you would use the herbs. There's also a video for an at-home steaming guide so that you can feel confident that you know what you're doing before you embark on this journey. But if you also don't feel so comfortable just starting on your own, you can also sign up for a consult with me, which is also available at the shop. So go ahead and check out rosebudwellness.com shop. Hi guys, and welcome back. Today I am bringing you an episode that I recorded with a friend and fellow embodiment uh, student, I guess. She's also a, an embodiment teacher, um, but we met through a women's embodiment, women's circle when I was living in California. Her name is Sarah Marie, and she is an Aquarian yoga teacher, and she uses Kundalini technology primarily in her practice. And it was so great reconnecting with her and talking more about her experience of teen pregnancy, um, which I actually did not know that about her. Um, And then she had another um, son later in life also. So she talks about that experience. And I hope you enjoy this episode with her today. All right, welcome back everybody. I am here today with Sarah Marie and she is a mama to two boys. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, I am so happy just to shine light on my fabulous children yeah. and the adventure that that you get to go on when you become a mom. Yeah. So let's start pre-kids with period stuff. Um, anything to report about your periods? Did you ever have any issues, irregularities, pain, any sort of gynecological conditions you were struggling with? Um, actually that, you know, I think I was like an early bloomer on all things vagina. (laughs) Um, I got my period when I was in fourth grade and they hadn't even talked about periods yet in school. So it felt like something was wrong. You know, and it happened at a girlfriend's house. We were at a slumber party. And I remember just thinking, oh my God, my guts are falling out. What is happening? And I was like, I gotta go, you know? And which was like, you know, the, the mark of shame to go home from a slumber party. Like, oh my God. Or like, did she pee her pants? Did she have a nightmare? Did, you know, like whatever. Um, and so called my mom, got home. And she was like, oh, womanhood. 
And I was like, I don't really, I don't even have boobs yet, you know, at that point. And so I had like six months of like three day periods for a while in fourth grade and they tapered off. We had the sex talk a little sooner than my family was ready to talk about it, just in case. And then um, it wasn't until like junior high, seventh grade that my period came and stayed and became, you know, just part of my monthly routine. So you only had it for, for six months? Like about six. Yeah, it wasn't for like the whole, it started kind of at the beginning of the school year and it wasn't for the whole entire year. Because I remember getting, yeah, we had camp that year and I didn't have, a, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just like weird, so it, like pre-period period. That's interesting. And so how how old were you? Right. Like I nine? Think, yeah, I was trying to think. I must have been like nine years old. Yeah. And that's kind of common nowadays okay. that, that girls will be getting it at nine or 10, which is I mean, it bummer. is a bummer because I think you do lose a little bit of innocence at that time. And you it also kind of downloads something about like, oh, I'm a woman you know, and you're like, wait a second, but I'm still going to recess. You know, it's confusing as it, I mean, computers are just confusing for everybody at all ages, right? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit can be. But it, it sounds like your, your family was pretty supportive and they weren't like, oh my God, this is like this dirty, Oh no, there was a call thing. to grandma. I got to go out to lunch because this is a rite of passage, you know, and I could have just, I would have been good with just the lunch and like going underwear shopping. But it also included, well, you know, now that you're a woman, um, my period talk came with also, let me show you a playgirl and a playboy. It was like this real open, like too much open progressive conversation. I wasn't really ready for it. Um, so that was kind of, you know, there's always a little twist to everybody's experience and yeah. Right. Yeah. So that was like, they, so yeah, like sounds 80s. like they were yeah, very open. super open. My parents both um, after college, both migrated to California you know, to have like free love and community and, um, and have the seventies. Yeah. Nice. Um, and then, so how were your periods once they, they came and stayed in <laughs> when they came high? and stayed, I had the most, um, traumatic cramps. My flow was pretty regular. I think my period, I mean, my periods have, well, we'll get there, but, um, yeah, seventh, eighth grade, junior high, I just remember like some days I would have to go home from school because I really just had cramps that were just so severe, like crying and just like fetal on the ground and, um, and bleeding pretty heavy. And that's was, been was, was there anything that you found that helped with the cramps over time? Um, Maybe you found it much later, but. Well, just at that time, the solution was, um, like just a couple of, I get probably Tylenol or aspirin or something. But uh, my mom was like, we're going to get you your water bottle. Cause I guess that's what they'd always done in their family. So, you know, I had a water bottle and um, like a hot water bottle. Like to put over bottle. Yeah. Like a hot yeah. water bottle that, yeah. Like, um, mm -hmm. yeah. Just, you know, some warmth. Yeah. Some it ways. really helps. It totally helps. Yeah. And then what about, um, trying to get pregnant um just in our our brief conversation about it before i'm sure. thinking that maybe it wasn't totally a plan but yes my, my first pregnancy was absolutely not a plan um 
but also the biggest blessing that I've ever received in this lifetime. Um, I think I think maybe just um, having a few of these milestones hit me a little earlier than the average girl made me, gave me, you know, um, a pseudo permission to act a little older than I actually was. And so I, of course, found myself a football star named Aaron and um, who had an older brother. So we were doing older brothery kind of things on the weekends, like smoking joints and um, hanging out at Lake Berryessa and, you know, just, just being rowdy, rowdy kids. And so um, there was like a little bit of pressure because we were hanging out with older high school kids to do high school kid type boyfriend, girlfriend stuff. And so I remember there was kind of a lot of pressure, like to lose my virginity. Um, and somehow I spun a story like, I'm going to have to really be like 16 years old before I have sex because I've made promises. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, you know? So, you know, 16 years and one day old, I have some sex <laughs> and, um, and fortunate, I feel very fortunate that, um, the partner that I chose is my eldest son's father. We stuck it out. We were high school sweethearts and stayed together for about seven years. Um, and so it was not very hard to get pregnant because uh, I found myself with Babe before high school was done. I was 17 years old and found out um, in December, uh, you know, we, I shared with you when we, before we started recording this, that I had a little journal because I wasn't, I didn't know what to do yet. You know, I had no idea what to, like, oh my God, what the heck? Oh my, whoa. But um, I've always been a writer. And so I kept this journal, Dear Baby. And so it looks like on December 3rd, 1992, I figured it out. And then the next journal entry is December 7th saying, today I told my family. And everyone is shocked. Yeah, how was it received by your family? Um shock in like a yeah maybe just yeah, you that one? um so you know morning routines or whatever everybody getting ready to go to school because I'm in high school at this point with a really sexy spiral perm a full rack of braces and as I'm on my way out to um go to school my mom hands me you know like whatever we English muffins get handed to you on the way out of, you know I remember her toasting something. I remember like the sound because it got really loud. Um, I was like, oh, and uh, by the way, I'm, I'm having a baby. Thanks. You know, and try to just get my muffins and get on out. And I remember just my mom just really aggressively toasting whatever is and you know, like buttering and <laughs> I knew this would happen. So don't worry, she says. Abortion's covered by our medical insurance. Thank God. Hands me the muffin. And I just throw it on the ground. And I remember saying, you know, uh, throwing a little bitch. Can I say that? I can say, yeah, I threw a little bitch fit. And I was like, I said, I'm having a baby. And threw the muffin, huffed out the house. Mom comes running out the door. I'm not telling your dad, just so you know, you better be here at seven o'clock tonight with Aaron. And you're going to tell your dad. You're telling your dad, not me. Slams the door on me. And I'm like, okay. Okay. Um, and I didn't go to school that day. I do remember that. 
Aaron picked me up and I was like, we got to go get omelets. We need to talk this out. Yeah. Yeah. And what did dad say? Did you end up going to have that, that meeting? Oh, we totally, I had to go back home. I had to get back in the house somehow. Yeah. <laughs> so we walk in and my mom, I can kind of see it a little bit still um, because the air was super thick. And I guess my mom had prefaced, Sarah's about to drop a bomb. I'm not letting, you know, like we, we're having a talk. Bob, my mom is Linda, my dad's Bob. She's like, Bob, we're having a talk don't be late for work, you know? So he, he gets a tip off early on in the day and has like this pit in his stomach. Um, I'm pretty proud to be daddy's girl. I still am, <laughs> you know? And so uh, I remember, you know, like after dinner we go, Aaron goes to take me home and I'm like, we have to go in and talk to my family. We're doing this. His family's totally stoked, by the way. Totally stoked. Um, I think his mom, you know, his mom has children from two different, you know, like she has a little bit of a soap opera going on in her life. And so it seemed a little more normal to their side of the family. My side of the family is very traditional. And so we walk in and my mom's like, everybody just sit down and start talking. It was no like, Hey, how are you doing? It wasn't soft. It was like, just let's go intense. And I said, you know, I'm having a baby, you guys, dad, I'm, you know, I'm pregnant. And he was like, he started laughing and he was like, just couldn't believe it. Didn't believe me, just laughed. And he was like, cause we do big April fools. And he was like, it's not even April. We're way off base. Like, what are you talking about? And then he just got quiet and didn't talk to me for six months. Wow. And you were still living with them? I had to graduate high school and live in their house. Yeah. Um, that's wild. And yeah. so, I mean, what, what were you thinking at the time? Were you, um, I mean, I imagine it was probably a mix of things, but were you more like excited and, and looking forward to embarking on this journey towards motherhood or feeling I was more a total, I mean, I was worried about like, how, how will I make all of the ends meet? You know, I mean, like I had that cognition. You know, like you just don't have a baby and all the diapers magically appear. Um, but there was this warmth in my body that I had never felt before. And, and it, in, that, in that warm feeling, I felt like I really had purpose for the first time in my life. Like I was on a very important mission that I was going to do really well at. You know, I'd like just the magnitude of bringing a child into the world and just I think really what you know as as someone looking at it from you know almost 30 years ago I really just wanted unconditional love you know it's interesting um I, I talked to another woman who had a teen pregnancy too and that was something that she talked about was like the desire for unconditional mm -hmm. love um, played a role in right yeah, her being open to this experience at such a young age. Yeah. Um, and so th did you keep the pregnancy from everybody at school for as long as you could, or were you pretty open about it? I was open at school. Um, 
I was fortunate that um, I went to, I guess, maybe what's called a continuation high school now. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't really interested um, for like 11th and 12th grade. I wanted to work. I wanted to make money. I had a job. I, mm-hmm. you know, and like, I'd already done all of my cheerleader stuff. I'd already, you know, got the football guy. I felt like I had hit all of those land, landmarks. Um, school and- wasn't terribly hard for me. It just, you know, it was just another thing that, you know, at, after I became pregnant, it just became something else that I had to do. So I was doing half day condensed um, school. Mm-hmm. So I had like five periods and then I could, you know, I was done and could work. Did anybody ever say anything to you that made you question your decision or did you, were people mostly pretty supportive? It was, it was kind of half and half, you know, um, I remember because I was dance, drill team, cheerleader, moving, you know, moving my body. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that group of friends couldn't believe that I was doing this. And it was all about like, oh my God, you're going to get so fat. Mm-hmm. What are you going to wear? Oh my God, you're not going to be able to like, yes, jeans, girl. Or, and then it was like, well, can I have yours? you know? And so it became sort of like this, I don't want to talk to you, but then all the things that you're giving up, I kind of want. So there was like some weird push pull in, um, with my female friendships. And, and then there was, you know, there was a handful of friends that stuck around, but I definitely started the pregnancy with hundreds of friends and ended it with maybe like 20 or 30. Wow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Some people weren't so on board. Well, just, you know, like, wait, you're not going to go to college. You're not going to do all the, oh, the, you know, it was bursting a lot of dreams that we have all tangled together. You know, I went to, I lived in the same house growing up. And so, you know, really deep ties to my community and had all the same friends from, you know, first grade to graduating. And so right. it didn't change, you know? Yeah. You weren't and following the prescribed. I wasn't following the plan. Yeah. Yeah. And so what was the pregnancy like for you? Did you have any symptoms or discomfort or was it pretty kind of straightforward pregnancy stuff? At the beginning of my pregnancy, I was very, very sick. I was also, you know, coming into my body. It wasn't all the way ready to have a baby yet, you know, in hindsight also, I did, you know. Um, so I did have really, really bad morning sicknesses. I had to go get IV drips. I couldn't stay hydrated. Mm. Um, it initiated um, cluster migraines for me that would knock my vision out and would make me throw up really hard. And so that lasted pretty much my whole pregnancy, the migraines. Were you considered high risk because of your age, because you were younger or not at that age? I don't know. It was really interesting. So. The doctor, um, our family insurance had just changed. So I had to, it was like meeting my doctor for the first time and bringing a pregnancy mm-hmm. you know, into light. And, um, and she said, well, funny thing. I just found out I'm pregnant too. <laughs> and so my doctor and I were pregnant together and there was a little bit of a competition that I never witnessed, but my mom found to be very interesting because she ended up being our family's physician too. My wow. mom in got, competition well, my mom, and- I don't know. It was just like landmarks and milestones. My mom would go to the doctor and doctors, and her name is Dr. Saavedra. She was lovely. 
Um, but she would ask my mom questions also about my pregnancy and my mom's appointments. And so my mom had a little window into what was happening. But what was, what was the competition? Um, so it was after, and it, I guess maybe it was like, how much weight are you gaining or not mm -hmm. gaining? Or um, have you gone to Lamas class, Sarah? You know, are you taking, you know, like it was just all of these like questions that didn't feel quite friendly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of wondering what motivated them. Yeah. Yeah. I think it really actually, now that I'm, I hadn't thought about that. I don't, yeah, that was weird. Um, I think maybe what is more true is after Nick was born, there was more questions asked to my mom and there was more comparison of the children. And there was, that Got was it. the competition. Yeah. Was Meeting the milestones. Yeah. yeah. Meeting milestones and things like that, because yeah. Nick was off the chart, A plus everything. So, yeah. um, the pregnancy was hard. Mm -hmm. The birth took a day and a half. Wow. So talk me through that. What were you in the hospital? Did you need to be induced or anything? Um, we were at home and it was, mm -hmm. this is like kind of a funny tidbit, but I was like, I just need some broccoli beef. <laughs> and I hadn't wanted a hamburger since I was 14 or anything. Mm -hmm. So the night that I, that my water broke, I really wanted, you know, as mothers know, you have these crazy food cravings that just are never satiated until you get the food. Mm -hmm. So I just needed, you know, broccoli beef from the fancy Chinese place. And, and I had it. And immediately after I ate dinner, I stood up just to use the restroom and my water broke. Mm -hmm. And that's the last time that I've had anything like that to eat. It's kind of, it's just kind of a weird thing. Um, and so my water broke, we went to the hospital. We had already, you know, we had Lamaze, we had pre-checked in, we'd done all the things. And so um, we went and my labor, I think I got to about six or maybe like six centimeters and then it just kind of stopped. Mm. And I was just having hardcore contractions, but like there was no progress. Yeah. Did you feel like you had good support there? I did have good support. I, I did do Lamont's classes. I kept in touch with the ladies, even though everybody around me was really uncomfortable. I was just all in. You know, uh, we've been encircled together. You know, I show up. Yeah. I really show up. And so I showed up to Lamont's class. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was the only one with braces. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the labor was a day and a half. And, the labor was so a day and a half. there was a little Pitocin. I think they gave me a little IV drip to like, to get try off. to get things going again. Going. Yeah. I think there was yeah. some Pitocin. I think I wanted an epidural, but it didn't happen. So I had no pain meds and I was, I think I was pushing, I think over two hours I was pushing and they ended up getting the little, the suction, mm -hmm. the suction situation happened mm -hmm. and um, Nick was yanked out. I think I probably should have had a blood transfusion. I lost a lot of blood. It was messy. Oh, wow. they, they wouldn't let anybody in the room. They had to clean it, I guess, first. They knocked me out. I didn't meet my, they like totally put me under. Um, and I didn't meet my babe for several hours. So they, did they ever say that you were hemorrhaging or not? They, they, yeah, didn't, use it was, they didn't really use that um, mm -hmm. because I think also, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there was just a lot of blood. Yeah. I've, I've wondered about the, the vacuum um, mm -hmm. intervention in particular and, the 
kind of potential for it to cause excess bleeding. This mm -hmm. is not based on anything, just my no, I mean, I think thoughts. Too, but it, yeah, because that didn't happen at my second birth. It was a very different right. experience. Yeah. So um, because of, of that and because you were pushing for such a long time, did you, did you have any tearing or any pelvic floor issues after the birth? I don't have pelvic floor issues. Thank goddess. Um, I did tear and I think they ended up doing a episiotomy. I think they did a full cut. Yeah. I'm sure they did the full cut. Yeah. And then um, what was the early postpartum time? Like, I just cannot even imagine doing that as a 17 year old, <laughs> bless you. But tell me about that. Um, well, you know, I graduated high school, super pregnant. Um, and then two weeks later, I got my own apartment. And two weeks later, I had a baby. So wow. I moved out and in the same month, crafted a little two bedroom apartment with my sweetheart and mm -hmm. um, had a babe. And so uh, he took maternity leave for a whole week. Wow. <laughs> I know. I was like, wait, what, you're going? You know, and yeah. I just, and I was nursing and Nick was hungry. And I just remember, you know, being by myself. And that was like the times of cordless telephones and having this baby and the phone being across the room and my, my wound feeling so on fire and baby. And I just didn't, I couldn't help, I couldn't help myself. Did your parents yeah. come around and help you at all? Or was there still some tension? There was like a little bit of tension, um, that did ease up right around the last trimester. Mm -hmm. As soon as the baby could be felt wiggling on the out, you know, by another person. My mom was all in. My mom changed, changed her tune and was like, let's go to the fabric store. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, predicted the day that my child was born, which wow. is very different from my due date in that moment. The type, like she just felt it and it brought back probably her feelings of, um, being pregnant and just the fondness of, a growing another beautiful soul, you know, that touches your soul, literally and yeah. and mystically, you know. Um, How many weeks were you when your water broke? I was, um, I was full term. So you I were was, 40 weeks. Yeah. I yeah. was 40 weeks. I might've been 41, 40. Okay. Yeah. I think both of my babes ran a little long. Yeah. Oh, long. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, and I, then postpartum. Yeah, yeah, postpartum was wild. Um, I did it kind of on my own, and because I was so young, took on the role of I can do it myself. Yeah, I don't think that's just youth. I think that's also right. Maybe that's all. But I mean, <laughs> women I, I, in this culture, unfortunately. But yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, teenager being even more so just kind of like, I don't need any help from my parents, you know? I don't, and I didn't I'm want a it. Big kid. I think I didn't want it also. I think yeah. I was like, I'm, I've got something to prove. I, um, at that time in my life had already survived a really major car accident, um, had a little out of body experience. If you're into that, I am, I believe it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I really just felt invincible for, I thought I was like 14. Yeah, I was 14 um, yeah. and I had to relearn walking and talking and I felt like I can survive that. And I wow. Can a little birth. 
Yeah. Oh, everybody has babies. I can do this. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I can imagine that would be a confidence booster to go through all of that at such a young age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so what happened from there? What was it like being um, a mama at that age? And um, Well, we were uh, living in Solano County, which is not too far from where I'm at now. Um, and at that time, the nut tree factory stores had just been installed. And so factory stores were a big fucking deal. And I had my like thumb equipment job and Aaron was managing one and we were like managers of stores and thinking that we could just do it. Right. So, um, pretty quickly, I don't even think Nick was a whole, maybe Nick was maybe a year when I went back to my parents with my tail between my legs and said, that trust fund, all that college money, could I, could I get a, could I get a second pass at that? Mm-hmm. And so I mean, because there was this big plan for me to go to UC Berkeley. There's been some studies about my brother and I um, when we were really young, uh, IQ stuff and just the potential or whatever. Wow, that's cool. I don't think you've ever told me that before. Well, I kind of negated it by hitting my head. It kind of, the point system. Anyway, my dad just had this big dream of like, the kids are going to college and they're going to university and they're going to Cal Berkeley and they're going to be bears, you know? and so there was a there was a nice trust fund in place. And so I said, you know, I'd really like to get Aaron, or I said, I would like to go to school. I need to be the very best that I can for my child, but it's really just not going to be running retail stores. Which, you know, for a 17 or 18 year old, usually that was pretty good money, you know, to be a manager of a, of a you know, a million dollar store or whatever. But quickly after having the babe and buying diapers for a year and feeding the family and all of the crazy things that you have to have and do and adapt. Well, and what did you do? What did you so, do for childcare while you were at work? Um, I had grandmas. Mm. Both of our parents lived close enough that, um, and this is also the first grandchild on both sides. So there was like major competition for babysitting. Oh yeah, I bet. Yeah. So which like, that's a whole other realm of, you know, then you notice like, I like this. I like the way you do this, but I don't like the way you do that. You know, um, there's a lot of that. And, and so I had, you know, there was rules that I thought were decent rules for my child because that was my kid. What were um, some of the things that, well, that you maybe like, would have done differently? Um, I would, I mean, I would have, worked boundaries a lot differently because there was these expert grandmas telling me who had not been a mother before and was so young. There was always just like, well, if you would have been, you know, these things come with age, Sarah. So, you know, like really and truly, I see that you're using the diaper cream, but what you really need to do is this like vinegar sits bath Hmm. or, you know, just, just different things or like, oh, you can't get your baby to calm down. Mm, Let me just swaddle them really tight, you know, or just, just different techniques, you know, where I was like, actually, I think my baby can cry a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. just having different know. perspectives that you just felt like they were yeah. leaning on your youth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, then what, you know, so you decided to go to school? So I decided to go to school um, and my dad being the financial planner and money man that he is, 
said, you know what, why don't you guys both go? I'll, we can use, you can use your fund and I'll put both of you, you guys both go to community college and then you can transfer to whatever you want. And so we'll support you for a couple of years because you know what, it's cool that you're going to have money, Sarah, but like if Aaron doesn't do anything next dad, mm-hmm. you know, you're not really going to be supported. And so he put us through school. Wow. That's awesome. What did you study? Everything. Yeah. I became a professional student. Yeah. Um, I can relate. I, <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a psychologist. And I realized that, oh, that was just a personal study. And then I was going to be a filmmaker. Then I was going to be a writer. And then I landed on sociology. Nice. And so um, where did you go from there? Did you end up working in that field? I didn't thank you for asking, um, <laughs> but I do have all these units, all these degrees, and um, and no, I ended up in a classroom. Ended so up you were class. teaching. I taught, yeah, yeah. Which what was did you a teach? special ed. Oh, nice. And then, um, so Nick was still being watched by grandmas at this point. Yeah, by grandmas, and then. Um, on campus, I did, after Nick was old enough to do preschool, so like two and a half, three, there was um, a teaching program on campus. And so Nick got to come to school with us. Oh, that's and awesome. That was really cool because the classroom was a lab. And so, you know, the love of learning and books, I'm a bookworm. Um, that was really important to me. And so I loved that that was Nick's first experience, that it was um, play-based learning but yeah. with really um, structured stations, you know, because it was a, a teaching classroom for early childhood education. That's great. Yeah. And so just me feeling and hearing my parents and the grandparents saying, you're not equipped, you're not old enough. I took all of the early childhood education courses too. Yeah. Good. But that, I mean, it wasn't my field, but I just, you know, that felt really important to know and to learn. Which well, probably then- every parent could benefit from <laughs> from that right yeah um so then what happened from there because there's a there's a nine-year gap between yeah Yeah. um so yeah talk me through kind of how that went um in terms of like did you and Aaron end up staying together we stayed together until Nick was about I can't remember if it was four or five it was in kindergarten that we split up. I was ready to go to UC Davis. I really love their sociology program. I love the community of Davis. I still live here. It's a great um, green community. We have, you know, we have a lot of um, agriculture around us and clean eating and just healthy lifestyle, recycling, reduce, reduce, you know, reuse, recycle. It's like the mantra of the town. Mm-hmm. Um, we ride bikes, you know, it just, it, it was great. It was a great place to be a single mom. So Aaron and I parted ways. I wanted to do a little more, um, well, I, I'm just a people person. And he turns out as we get older, we learn that we're introvert or extroverted. And um, we just were, yeah, we just, you know, hit the fork in the road and went different ways. Um, he did hardcore science and said that his work was more important than mine as a scientist. And I cut the cord right then. Mm-hmm. Bye. Well, I saw the future. I was like, if you, you know, there's the, oh, we got to be partners, you know, I want a partner. Yeah. And, you know, I want a true partner in whoever I am. Yeah. Mutual respect. And that was wild to hear that a little bit, you know, and that just didn't compute. So, um, 
my inner rebel woke up at that moment also. So we came to Davis, we got our own little house. Um, the school system here is really great. The community is great. There's music, there's bike riding. Um, and it just, it's worked. It totally works. So um, um, did Aaron maintain some custody or yeah, how did you work that so out? How that worked out, how did that shake out? I finished, did I finish first? Oh, actually, I finished school is what happened. Aaron ended up getting a really nice offer from Genetech, Genetech. Um, and it took him a lot. He, he did complete his schooling later in life, but not when we were together. Um, we had, and yeah, we had a custody arrangement where I had three quarters and he had a quarter. And so it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning returned to me. I dropped Nick off or would, Nick would get picked up from childcare on Thursday afternoon and would be returned to me on Saturday afternoon. So a couple nights a week with dad. And um, there was a little bit of child support, but he never ever renegotiated it. And that became a huge drama in the rift between us later in life. What do you mean he never renegotiated? Well, it was so child support was like it was like 300 bucks a month and that's oh, what he yikes. paid for the whole entire lifetime of nick oh you're saying with like prices yeah, of things changing thing changing and yeah. so um he just wasn't yeah and he it, that became its own separate thing that's kind of icky to talk about but yeah money money became more important than love and time and so yeah i you know i was like cool dude have your money. Yeah. Do your life. We're going to like have a really good Davis experience and, and throw roots down here. And so this is where my kids have both grown up. Yeah. So it sounds like Nick mostly, most of the time was with you. Um, and did you ever have any like difference of, I'm assuming probably because most humans have difference of opinions on things, but was there, is there anything specific that you can think of about like when oh, potty training? Up? Oh my God. Potty training was the biggest. Tell me about that. Well, I mean, you know, I, my feeling was, wow, this is the first time that you're going to be aware of your like lady bits, let's, or, you know, whatever your, your genitalia, you know, your parts. Um, mm -hmm. and I just really wanted no shame to be transferred to mm -hmm. that. And I also didn't want, you know, we always call private parts, you know, like they are private, but you know, you can call also. them by their actual name. Yeah. yeah. Can we just call them by our actual names? Totally. Yeah. Can we just have a Yoni? Yeah. Or can we just have an Audi? That's what we, yeah. you know, they're Audis, you know, that's what Nick came up with that. Oh, that they have, your dad has an Audi, but you have an Innie. <laughs> that's I, cute. You know, I like, like that. Right. I mean, kids are so clever. Yeah. You know, they call it, call it, they'll call it like they see it. So yeah. Um, yeah, there was a little shame around that when like accidents would happen. I didn't want there to be a huge problem. I mean, you know, if you take a shit in your underwear, it's probably not comfortable for the shit taker. So just, you don't need up. to add, yeah. yeah, you don't need to add anything. And I remember there was like, I can't have Nick having accidents. I'm like, well, we're splitting apart. There's going to be a little bit of regression here. Yeah. That's Can a really good point. That? Yeah. Can we honor that? You know? And so that was like, the, that, that was probably the hardest, the hardest battle between us really. Yeah. Was just like, 
not having anger for things that were developmental. Yeah. 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 And I think that's across the board kind of, even like in the teenage years, things that are developmentally appropriate that you could make a really big deal about or kind of just accept that for what it is. Yeah. So um, if you feel open to it, if you want to talk about, um, or maybe this is later. Yeah. So if whatever comes first in terms of like your second pregnancy and Mm -hmm. what that looked like, um, actually before that, I want to check in about how your, when your periods returned after you had Nick, were, mm-hmm. did they come back just like they had been previously or was there any change? I think my cramps were definitely less and mm-hmm. my flow is heavier and I could always bank on, you know, a heavy bleed for six days. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So pretty similar, just a little less cramping. Similar, yeah. Less cramping and maybe the period, the actual bleed was a little longer. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then when but you- and, but Regular, super, and it came back super regular after I stopped nursing. So it was about a year, about a year. Okay. And then, um, when you were, were you trying to conceive with the second child or, um, I, we were open to it. So, um, Nick was in a teaching program, as I had mentioned. And so one of the parent requirements was to participate. So I was a Friday mom. And then there was also other Friday parents. Well, there was a Friday dad too. Mm -hmm. It was like not too hard to look at and um and so we were the friday parents all of a sudden and aaron and i split we were we were splitting or i don't know anyway all greg and i just started being the full day friday parents just to kind of hang out and be and so our our children were already really good friends because they had been in preschool together for a while um he had a daughter he has a daughter named tatiana and Tatiana's mom and I were really good friends. So I knew Tati, Tati and Nick were friends. I didn't really know very much about Greg, but all of a sudden he was the Friday parent. And then the year ended, I had another semester. He didn't come back. I didn't see him, didn't know, didn't, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And then I moved to Davis and I'm driving my rental truck, my moving van back to U-Haul and I see him biking down the road. And so then a couple of weeks later, we wind up at the same park and then we, you know, it's, there's maybe like a year, year of time has elapsed, haven't seen each other. And so now all of our kids can play in Davis on the Davis playgrounds, you know, without any school rules. And so we started having play dates, which developed into a relationship, which then became a marriage and we raised our kids together for maybe eight eight years. I bet the kids loved that. Like instant sibling friends. Yeah, instant sibling. And they were only nine months apart, which really worked in our favor or really didn't work in our favor. There was no neutral. It was either totally on in bliss or like, you know, kids fighting cats and dogs because, you know, Nick would master something and Toddy would just come into the mastery of it. And then Nick wouldn't want to play, you know, the game wouldn't be fun for one and was still super alive for the other. And you know, so it was, they were, it worked really well, mostly until it didn't. Yeah. 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 Um, and then, yeah, so it, it, my second boy is Ethan and, um, 
it wasn't necessarily a plan, but it, we were open to it. You know, if it happened, it happened. And if it didn't, it didn't. Mm-hmm. Weren't using, you know, decided I didn't feel like birth control was a good choice for my body, my system. Um, and, you know, we forgot to buy condoms one time and, you know, had the talk in the moment, like, can we do that? Like, if this happened, what would happen? And we <laughs> leaned in and we were like, okay, let's have the sex. Let's go ahead and have the sex right here. You know? And so, um, it took about a year. I mean, we were semi-careful, you know, like we wouldn't have sex on ovulation. There'd be no love making then, but, um, but if it happened, it was fine and it happened. Were you pretty aware of your fertile window? Like when you had cervical mucus and when you were mm-hmm. ovulating around? I didn't really know about the mucus, but it, it, I could always feel when I was dropping my eggs. Yeah. Okay. So the, on the day that you were ovulating. Feel, yeah. I could always feel, you know, yeah. Sharp pains. Not yeah. very comfortable. Not very comfortable. Yeah. And then you, so you got pregnant and what was that pregnancy like? That pregnancy was a lot easier. Um, one, I had, you know, 10 more years of life living and had more resources, more understanding. And, you know, the first time you do anything, there's so many unknown variables. And I don't think that matters how old you are or young. Um, I just, yeah, I felt just so much more capable and, and I had a bigger voice in my doctor's office for the second pregnancy too. What did you use your voice for most? Um, well, there was a difference of opinion about my, like my headache medicine and things, you know, cause I have this giant scar from the car crash I referenced mm-hmm. earlier that did really kick off a lot of migraines. I have chronic migraines. And so, um, and I'd done my research and I did, I was willing to have the headaches and treat them as needed rather than taking a preventative trio of medicine that was, that I was told the benefit outweighs the risk. And I'm like, well, the risk is my child. Yeah. So the benefit does not out for me, the benefit does not outweigh the risk. So, um, yeah, just fighting for how I, and making my birth plan, you know, birth, I, I made a birth plan this time. What was your plan? Um, just that I wanted really nice light. I didn't want bright light, you know, that I wanted, you know, um, my mom to actually be led into the room this time. So I didn't have that the first time. So the first time who was in the room, just your boyfriend or? Yeah, just my boyfriend wow. who all was doing passing out because there was so much blood. <laughs> <laughs> Helpful. <laughs> but I mean, I was, I was like, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Just what I wanted, like, you know, I wanted to have my, like, don't wash my baby off. Like give me my child as soon as they're born, you know, let me be, take those yes. first steps together. Yeah. Skin you know? to skin. Yeah. I wanted all of that, you know, and then, um, and what about like interventions? Um, were you, you know, adamant about like, I don't want um, I don't want to be induced. I don't want any Pitocin. I don't want an epidural yeah, or were no you kind of like, I wanted, I wanted no Pitocin. I wanted that away. From, yeah. That was not a very pleasant experience for me. I've heard that. Can you describe, um, 
I mean, I it makes your contractions very intense from what I understand. Yeah, I mean, it just felt like I, every muscle in my body was having a contraction rather than, you know, the uh, abdominal. The yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uterus, you know, just all of the front body stuff. Everything was just, it was just hard. It was really yeah. hard. Yeah, so I just wanted to make sure the environment was friendly to me and, or felt good. And that Ethan and I, I did get those first breaths together. Give me that slimy baby. Yeah. Give me all that goodness. And so did, did you get that, the, the birth that you had intended? I did, mostly. Um, so for the second time, I knew that I was in labor. I had two kids asleep, you know, it happened at like, I don't know, I, we laid down to go to bed and I just couldn't settle. I just couldn't settle. And um, my, the way my body is, I have really, really long legs and I don't have a lot of room for a baby. Even though I, you know, there's just not a lot of room. I was so far out in front. So I just knew that something was off and it felt different. And I was like, okay, this is happening. I'm going to look cute in the pictures this time. So I went and took a shower. I did my hair. I did some makeup. I let the kids stay asleep and I waited too long. By the time we were in the car, I couldn't breathe through my contractions. But the shower felt so good. I guess I was in the shower for like an hour. Um, I don't know if, if you saw that a mutual friend of ours, Allie, had her baby in a car. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know the exact story, but I really want to have her back on. She she was on, I haven't posted the episode yet, but um, oh, she was on while God. she was pregnant. And I told her I'd like to have her back on postpartum, but yeah it's it's a thing whoa but it, it's comfortable at home so I think yeah right. we're gonna stay and and so that's probably what you were doing you were in the shower yeah I was just okay. feeling like I wanted to be at home and not in a sterile stark environment you know and I knew that I was waking kids up and it was gonna wake you know and I needed grandparents to come grab children and I needed to get to a hospital you know so there was a lot of moving parts and um how long was that labor? That labor was only like, I, we got, so we got to, we get to the hospital and they say that I'm not that dilated, but I'm having these contractions and I'm like, I can't really breathe through this. This is like later in the game feeling, I don't know. And they were like, girl, you have so much time. You're barely done. You're not even dilated. You're fine. You know, and I keep getting, you're fine. You're fine. Chill out. Um, take a lap there's a couple there's other babies you know there's other mothers and other babies on the way like mm-hmm. and it's also um thanksgiving eve so i think the staff is a little bit thinned out at the hospital also mm-hmm. um and i do have a yeah i get the nursing gown or the you know the hospital outfit cute <laughs> mock and um And I remember, yeah, and so I was in like a, like a holding room. I didn't have my room room yet. And there was one lady that walked past and she's, and so Greg was parking the car. I was being admitted um, or switching the kids or something. And it wasn't my nurse, but somebody had walked past and said, oh, are you okay? They'd saw, they saw that I couldn't breathe through my contraction. And I said, I don't think I'm okay. I think this is happening. And she was like, well, I can't, you know, okay, hold on. And so I quickly get a room. I don't even have a bracelet on. 
and somebody else, so a different nurse comes in and checks and says, I think she's ready to go. Like, look at the way she's breathing. These are so close together. She can't, like, this is, this is weird. And so I'm like, okay, cool. This is going to be so easy. I'm just going to walk in and have a baby. Awesome. And, and it slows down a little bit. Greg comes back. They say, okay, well, you can have this room. We're going to go have these other babies next door because this mom's about to just, you know, have a twin. There's twins happening next door is what happened. Um, and I was like, just be back in time for the epidural. No problem. And, um, and she tells Greg to go and get some food. It's going to be a long wait. I'm only halfway there dilation wise. And it's like a deja vu moment. I can't reach the button. So I'm in the room by myself and you know, everything's moving and crazy. And I'm like, hey, bearing down a little bit. And I'm like, there's nobody in the room. I, I take a touch. I can feel, I can feel some head happening. I'm like, oh shit, this is on. So I bing the button. I finally like, I yell, I think. I don't even think I'd press the button because I can't reach it. And um, the nurse comes in and she's like, oh my God, we only have two doctors. They're pushing next door. So I get this student doctor that delivers our baby. So she's like, you are ready to go. And I'm like, I told you so. I've done this before. <laughs> and so, yeah, because my mom really wanted to be there, but they'd taken the kids all the way home. It's about an hour drive about each way. So we call them and say, Sarah's pushing, bring the kids here. Everybody wants to see this baby being born. And there's not even enough time to get everything prepared in the room. I have to start pushing and I have this baby. Ethan comes blaring out with one fist up, um, just have a little bit of tearing. Um, and all of a sudden I just have this baby and we're both getting our bracelets, you know, together at the same time. I don't think I was at the hospital two hours. Wow. So, and you were alone. And I was pretty alone. Wow. That's wild. You yeah, know, Greg came through halfway. He came through, he came through as with a cup of coffee and it's like newspaper and whatever. And was like, <gasps> Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, it, it's funny because I've most, not all, but a lot of second births are like that. They just kind of like seem to come flying out. You would mm -hmm. think maybe they would anticipate that, but it, I don't. It also speaks to how little you information you can get by checking the dilation, because it can go. It can be like, okay, you're one centimeter. You could be one centimeter for like six weeks or months and then you could be you know go from one to ten in a matter of minutes you know right. depending on the person so it's just yeah it seems like that's what was happening for you because you were only halfway and then all of a sudden pushing yeah. ready to come out yeah, ready yeah. yeah I mean I I took a temperature check of my of my yoni and was like that is not how she feels usually and yeah. there's an extra action right there yeah <laughs> Um, so yeah, so tell me about postpartum with your second child. Um, postpartum was really hard actually with my second babe. Um, I think being responsible for two kids in elementary school, um, having only one parent earning at that, in that moment, um, was hard. It was really so hard. So you were, you were working? I was working up until the pregnancy and then I knew that we both... I might've bent the rules just a little bit, Holly. And 
said that I was coming back to my job when I very well know that I knew that I was not going back, that I took my maternity leave. And, um, and so we, yeah, we knew the budget was going to be a lot smaller. Yeah. And you were then taking care of three children because you had the two. Yeah. So I had three kids. Um, fortunately, Greg, um, had a job that was like eight to three or sorry, five to three wasn't, yeah. His eight hours were started really early. 5 a.m.? Um, 5 a.m. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's an organic producer. And so, you know, produce and farms and things. Start really early. Yeah. yeah. It's really, so, I mean, that, that was a nice, that was really nice. As yeah. Nice as, to have him home in the evenings. That can be a challenging time, I think, with getting yeah. everybody to bed. Yeah. So that there, I did have, you know, routine support. Um, I don't necessarily know that I had the emotional support that I needed in yeah. that, in that time frame. Yeah. Um, I really had the postpartum blues very, very, I had a severe case of the blues. Yeah. And um, d- did you get any treatment for that or? I was offered a bunch of antidepressants, which didn't, again, I was nursing, um, and Ethan nursed for almost three years, mm-hmm. about two and a half. Yeah. Um, and so that just didn't feel in alignment for me. Mm-hmm. So I did a lot of crying. But it, like, what about therapy or anything yeah, like I mean, that? Nobody really. There, I had a few, th- I think I had some therapy appointments, but it ended up like one car, two kids. Like it just, it was really hard. It was really hard. And so, you know, as most mothers often do, they take the back burner role. Well, I think that's one of the things about COVID that has been kind of, I don't know, I always, I just want to be respectful of that. It's it's been a very shitty thing, but also it's been helpful in terms of like everybody kind of getting their stuff up online and being able to work on Zoom. So I feel like there's, you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of support groups and then you can do online therapy and things like that. And some of that was help happening um, even prior to the pandemic, but Right. Um, at that time, what but year we're was talking he? Almost twenty. I mean, this is yeah. So that just so wasn't not, available. You know, there's yeah. not. There's you know maybe. I mean, we did have we had a blue iMac. I mean, that's what the computer was. Yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Not the same kind um, of. Not the same. And so yeah. So um, I did have therapy off and on throughout my childhood. Through you know, I still dabble in a little appointment setting here and there. You know, it's a great. It's a great tool. Um, there was phone therapy available to me in that time. And it just didn't, it didn't work for me in that moment. Yeah. You know? And so I did feel, I did feel really alone. Um, I have some pretty brutal journals from that time frame. Yeah. I did a lot of writing and, you know, just, I did the best that I could, you know, I think that there was probably, some support um, put in place by my mom with my girlfriends. I wasn't, I know that there was a few months that I was rarely alone Mm. in the daytime. During that time, can you recall like anything that you, like either things that people did or said that felt good? That felt good? Yeah, like, I don't know. I mean, I think for me, um, times when I'm feeling really down or alone, or I'm like, 
what have I done? Right. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> there's sometimes that there's like these little gems of things that people will say to me or something happens. Like it's sometimes it's even like something that my daughter does that I'm like, oh God, it's all worth it, you know. Um, oh gosh. I mean, can you recall anything like that? I do remember one friend out of the blue who, and it's wild because my friend Heather really stepped up in this moment. And she was a friend that was, her mom lived in Davis. So she would come home in between movie shoots. So like well on her way to being, well, she was going to become a screen queen. She was doing all these like slasher films, but like becoming successful in Hollywood a little bit. And she just was all in on the baby game, Mm. all in. And to just have a friend that was so, I don't know, she felt so fancy, so glamorous or something to see the gift of the bond that Ethan and I were developing. That really meant a lot to me. I remember making, you know, hand doing his plaster hand cast, you know, what she did is she brought over a dildo making kit because she was kind of in the industry, but she was like, I just saw those baby hand plastering thing. Like, I just figured this would be like, I don't know, I could get this one at a discount. And so we <laughs> had a do-it-yourself dildo making kit um, that produced Ethan's hand. You know, like- Oh my God, that's so baby hand. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, things like that, you know, yeah. or like, you know, a friend, and I had another friend that would come over and she'd be like, do you just want to drink a glass of wine? And I'm like, yeah, I do. I really do, you know? And so to have just your girlfriend sit in the backyard with me and share a half a glass of wine and not be afraid of like my boobs, you know, boobing all over the place and, um, you know, just having, cause I would take my shirt off and nurse. I didn't care. I was like all about the skin to skin. Yeah. Yeah. So I was pretty public about, um, nursing, but yeah, I mean, I, well, I can relate. I'm, uh, my daughter is, 15 months I'm like oh my god I can't keep track anymore and um we're still going strong and um good job mama yeah and it's um though I think those simple moments of just like having somebody just having somebody with you um sometimes I just go over to my sister's house and we don't do anything different from what I would be doing at my own house (laughs) but um just having company and having a change of scenery yeah can be really helpful for the spirit I guess yeah yeah for body mind and soul right because when I mean and yeah just our frequencies touch the other frequencies in your space you know um as as yogis I know we both are um yeah, there is something to that auric field. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I have like a zillion other questions where like I think I could go, but I'm also wanting to be respectful of your time. <laughs> so um, I would love for you to share about like any current offerings that you have Hmm. either locally or if you do things online and then also like if you have a website or where people can find you on social media yeah Um, I in this pandemic moment have really taken um, you know everybody jumped online and I have taken a lot of courses I've taught a lot of classes online I'm not really online right now 
to be honest. Um, there is a website that you can find me at. It's Sacred Earth Collective. Um, another sister, another Ambini, um, Maya Phoenix, she was in a cycle after us. She's local here in town and she and I have started a little cooperative um, that, that is pretty much female focused or women identifying, you know, just, just work for women. Um, I have taken several Kundalini teacher trainings, so I am well-versed in the breath and I'm really into just helping people move energy and not letting energy move them. Um, so I'm doing mostly one-on-ones right now, and that can be online and in person. I do have a couple of um, not very well-maintained Instagram pages. Um, I started Satnam Squad, Satnam being Kundalini, and you know the truth is my identity. Um, and so that that's my handle on Instagram, and my spiritual name is Adi Manette Carr. Princess Lioness, who by embodying the primal, by embodying, by, how do you mean it, Carr? The lioness who by embodying her truth radiates the light of the world, I think is what it means. No big deal. Wow. <laughs> so I'm just really into cultivating and light leading. I'm really into um, supporting and celebrating everybody's gifts. And, um, that's what my practice is focused on all things Aquarian. You know, we've moved into the Aquarian age this year and moving from the me to the we, and I'm really, uh, you know, I started, I'm a founder, I'm a radio DJ. I helped found, um, a music festival that's 10 years strong here in Davis. And so I really do love group energy. Um, and so I will be hosting, I think, after the hotter months, we move through the hotter months. Um, I'm in the Central Valley, so it's very hot here right now. Today, it's 108. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm back in Connecticut, so we don't, we don't have that kind of you know, stuff. What's the hottest day that you're, that you're having these summers? I mean, it gets, it's like can be in the nineties, um, but with humidity, it does feel yeah. hot. Um, yeah. yeah, but I'm, I'm bummed we're not closer because I would go to any. Yeah, group well, I do take over the park across the street together. and throw some pretty rambunctious circles that wind up, um, you know, starting as a Kundalini practice and ending more in ecstatic dance frequency. Yeah. Uh. God. And, you know, well, we met through a different teacher training uh, embodiment, continuum based work. Um, and I weave that in too. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Amba. Um, maybe I'll link to that in the show notes, but I, Megan's website is kind of, she's in transition right now too. I think she's looking more towards one-on-one. -on -one. Um, but uh, so I, I haven't been mentioning it as much, but we, we connected yeah. through, through moving energy, this yeah. embodiment. moving our bodies and just really yeah. tapping that sacred divine flow. And I think yoga is really masculine and it's really, for me, the best of both worlds. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate My it. Pleasure. so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. 
Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you'll be notified of future episodes. And if you feel so called, please give us a rating and a review so other people can find the podcast more easily. Thanks again. Till next time.